0: One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. What's that, so join me, hot, We'll have some fun. That is some fun linking segue music between the opening music of this and me talking right now. I'm Dan. I am your host for Rockin' All Week With You, the Happy Days Podcast, Episode 5. We are in Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10. Breaking Up is Hard to Do and Give the Band a. A hand and I think uh, I think I think we'll dive right in I can't think of anything that I need to say right here I mean I hope you're all doing well I hope you enjoyed the first four episodes we're in the second half of season one which is exciting Let's see where we go from here listen to this. <laughs> to do march 12 1974 directed by jerry paris written by william s bickley the bickler this one's uh the uh stars uh lorette sprang who was in a heck of a lot of stuff in the 70s and beyond Uh, she played cassiopeia I think in Battlestar Galactica here's the thing with Battlestar Galactica folks I, I, I've only seen a few episodes of the reboot which I thought were very dour and so I I, I, I haven't tuned in anymore but I have that big set I was going to swear there that big set that, that they put out the Blu-ray set what is it it's it's crazy it's like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, like 18 Blu-rays of the show in Galactica 1980 and the, the movie of course she's in it and she's wonderful I know her best for uh, BJ and the Bear The uh, uh, the first, the only full season of BJ and the Bear Is the one from 1979 to 1980, the second season And she is in uh, two episodes The two part of the start, season one Snow White and the Seven Lady Truckers And she is Snow White And she is delightful she got a thing for Ron Howard, she got a thing for Greg Evigan but then don't we all. I forgot to tell you what this is about. This is this is uh, it's very basic. Uh, uh, Richie, it starts up with Richie and um Cassiopeia. No, I'm kidding of course. Richie and Snow White, Richie and I don't even remember Arlene is her name. Oh boy. Richie and Arlene, they've been going out for 2 weeks, they break up. Uh, It has something to do with a bulletin board and a prom meeting and they break up and uh, it's also, it's time for the junior prom and so neither of them have dates for the junior prom. The big junior prom, it's a junior prom, which, you know, as we're setting the times for when these episodes are set, this would make this circa May slash June of 57? 58? We'll talk about that more in a minute. We won't overtalk it as as some have, have um, said I, I might be doing uh, in these episodes but I like to try to figure out what everything's going on so you know, they break up and oh boy Richie doesn't have a date, so he kind of goes to Arlene and says, let me take you, okay, and they go, and Mr. and Mrs. Sears chaperoning it, and Potsy is there with someone or other. Potsy really doesn't do much but leer in this episode. He's a little gross. And Ralph Malfe is the uh, MC of the uh, of the, of the place. And, uh, you know, like, when Ralph started, like I, like I mentioned, I think, in the previous episode, when Ralph started, he wasn't a particularly funny character, but he's been trying to make himself funny as he's going along. And he does jokes as the MC, which no one laughs at, but he is the MC, which is cool, and then Mr. and Mrs. C are there, and they have a map that Joni gave them uh, from one of her schoolmates, an 11-year-old named Punky McDonald, whose sister, Hot Lips McDonald, um, knows all the makeout places, so it's basically a map of all the makeout places, with the main one being the broom closet that they keep opening up and looking inside and finding various characters making out in there. Yeah, we're basically, well, we're at the prom, and, and, and Arlene and, and Richie clearly want to be together, but they're both being a little stubborn, so Arlene spends her evening dancing with everyone while Richie stands around eating a lot of some sort of egg salad. I almost want to say like a pasta salad, but I, I don't know that that was a thing. I see some hard-boiled eggs in there, and he eats a lot, and then he talks a lot with food in his mouth, which is an acting choice. I applaud, but not one I particularly want to look at. Yeah, it kind of goes along. The Fonz is there, and he's got a date, and... Uh, the Fonz dances with Mrs. C and that's a super fun scene and Mr. C keeps checking the punch to see when it's spiked and eventually they announce the, not the, not the Prom Queen—I I forget uh, what it is, but it's the prom. I'm going to call it the Prom Queen. That it's the theme is Teen Angel. So I'm a, Angel, the the Teen Angel Queen or something. I don't know, but yeah. And is Arlene going to win? Who's going to win? Will Richie and Arlene get back together? Is it going to matter because we know that he marries Lori Beth in like seven so seasons from now? Is that a spoiler? I apologize. I will say that I love this episode. This episode's a joy for me. Uh, I'll tell you about my junior prom, and I'll mention my senior ball uh, shortly. Um, but I, I just enjoy it. I guess let's let's take just a time check real quick. Splish splash does play again. The there's a band there that plays. Um, oh, and on on the um, on the jukebox, we hear that one really forlorn song from the early 50s was it Johnny K, Johnny Ray whoever it was that we've heard before like the the little white duck that cried or whatever the heck because I didn't even look it up this time you know the song I'm talking about that that really maudlin old Shep style ballad um, that's playing on there and then um splish splash and then uh let's see oh the band play is playing tequila at one point and that kind of made me think okay I've been saying that I thought this was 57 and I thought this was early in 57 I would said many times that I I'd hope this was 57 why I was doing that was based on some of the music but not all of the music and I was also hoping this was like fall of 57 it could have been spring of 57 but I was hoping it was fall of 57 just because of the way some folks were acting you know trying to uh, sort of um get in relationships and stuff with people that you saw in school you know you don't you don't wait till the end of the school year to do that although I, I guess you could but but generally you're sort of it's something at the start and then maybe. actually I, you know, I say that and I guess I was kind of hoping it would be autumn because then we go to Christmas, but we get a Christmas in the next season, so it doesn't matter because in this one we got prom and prom is June-ish and tequila, they play tequila, so tequila is early 58, so I'm kind of changing, I'm doing one of two things right here I'm either changing my opinion to this is now circa May June of 58 or happy days at this time before we set down more exact years is a fantasia of the 50s you know so I'm so I, I'm guessing in the end it's a fantasia and I I, I think the thing that makes it that could be, one all the differing time scales of things and i don't like the stuff from 51 52 54 now that's right out but the stuff from in and around 57 58 that that that's trickier i think as far as the time scheme goes we're i feel like we're jumping all around here that's that's really what's happening it doesn't really matter when it happens it's just meant to give us a flash of this moment and a flash of that moment so and this is the prom i'm calling it 1958 I want to mention Mrs. McCarthy, the wacky babysitter, who's very nervous that someone's going to break in the house and pinches Joni's cheeks, cheeks and acts really weird and looks kind of like either uh, Sister Lucene, a teacher I had back in at St. Margaret Mary's in Irondequoit uh, for fourth and fifth grade math, or a uh, guy in drag. One of the two. Mm, there you go. Sister Lucene kind of looked like that, but I always liked her. Anyway, the prom, the fun, the everything. So, yeah, so, so it starts off with, with Arlene and Richie in a booth at, at at Arnold's and arguing, and, like, the boys are on one side and the girls are on another. And, and what is it? It's Potsy is leading one side and Trudy is leading the other. And they kind of... It's kind of a... I don't know. I, I don't know Arlene. I know the actress, though. And I know that feeling where... um there there's there's something there's a step that one of them won't take or both of them won't take and um they're they're try- they're holding their ground on something that maybe they shouldn't and maybe they should just i don't want to say lighten up maybe they should just take a couple of deep breaths and say, okay, we've only been together two weeks. You know, I, I goofed up doing this, and but I think you're expecting me to do this because... She says, well, you would have checked the bulletin board if you loved me. Well, it has only been two weeks. Let's not go crazy. There is kind of a longing. That every scene they have together, there's kind of a longing. Like one of them should just grab the... Here's the thing. The Fonz says, "The Fonz, the Fonz isn't in this episode much, but he's very charming when he's in it. His dance with Mrs. C is so good. I mean, you could see that, you know, there, you know, it. I don't know if it's an attraction per se, but you could see that, like, he likes Mrs. C, and Mrs. C uh, likes him, and um, Mr. C is like, what's going on there? But you can also see that you can see the relationship that's going to grow as the series goes on, which is so great, which is." Which is one of the reasons why, uh, well, well, not, not it's, it is one of the reasons why to watch these early, uh, why you watch the early episodes. You also watch them because they're pretty darn good. You know, and that's not, well, okay. I was going to go off on a tangent about Jerry Paris, but I will save that for a moment or two from now. I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, yeah, the Fonz isn't in this much. But when you first see him, he is with a cop, Kincaid, and he's looking at the engine in Kincaid's car. There's a moment where if the Fon says, you know, when Richie says, what do I do with Arlene? And he says, Brando. What do you mean, Brando? Streetcar named Desire. Stella! There is a great moment when Richie's kind of standing looking at Arlene as she's talking. She's like, What's, what are you doing? He says, uh, he says, what do you mean? You look like Marlon Brando, like, but not saying any words." And that's the thing. If one of them would just—I don't know—if it's a '50s repressed thing or whatever, but maybe be more like Fonz and just yell "Stella" or something. So yeah, there, and and she does dance with everyone, and and every time she dances, she gives Richie a look like I'm dancing with him, and and you know that she wants to dance with with Richie, and uh, you know I I hate to spoil it, but they get together by the end, and there's um. Yeah, there's a fun sequence with, um, yeah, where Fonzie's uh, date wins uh, whatever the heck is, the teen angel thing, and, and uh, Arlene comes in as a runner up. But they can't find Arlene because she's making out with Richie in the um, broom closet. And is that a, a, those spoilers? I don't know. Uh, I guess they could be. Um, but, uh, it's interesting that the, the Fonz is there. I mean, you would see, I mean, I remember seeing that like the occasional junior prom at, at, at the occasional junior prom. Yeah. I, you know, the, the 12 junior proms I went to, you know, no, that at junior prom, I went to senior ball. There were moments when like either guys or gals would walk in and be like, who are they with? Is that Johnny Armstrong? He dropped out like a year ago. Isn't should, isn't he in prison? Oh, wow okay, you know, that kind of thing, and that's sort of the Fonz, but the Fonz, you know, just the fact that, you know, the Fonz is still in his coat, that's not the leather jacket, I'm not saying what it is, but he's helping a cop with his engine, so he can help chase people around, you know, I mean, to me, that's a, yeah, you know, he's doing the Brando bit and everything, but he's helping a cop with the, you know, eh, and he's dancing with Mrs. C, dancing, wasn't that a, uh, Rolling Stone song, Dancing, Dancing with Mrs. C, or something. I don't know, but. Oh, uh, Potsy's on the screen right now. Yeah, he's a little sleazy here. So let's jump around here a bit. It's, what is it, Billy? I can't even see what I wrote down. But there is a band here, Billy something or other, and the Cats or something like that. And it's a bunch of guys, and they've got, like, angel wings on because the theme is Teen Angel, Teen Heaven, teen voting for the Teen Angel. And this ain't the song Teen Angel from around 1960, one of those awful, dour, you know, My Sweetheart Died songs that drive me up the flipping wall. Um, this clearly isn't that, this this isn't that. You know, the moment, that it was like voting for the Teen Angel or Teen Angel, and I was like, oh, okay, Teen Angel, 1960, no, don't do that. No, but this isn't Teen Angel, this character dies in that, and so it's not that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sweet prom, and it's not very big prom. I mean, we had a prom that was in like a huge hall, and the, the senior ball was in a huge hall too. This is like 40 people in a room. I don't know, maybe they had multiple junior proms. I don't know, or maybe it was like, eh, only the good-looking people get to go to the junior prom because I don't see no dogs in there. I'm sorry, that's terrible to say. What else is going on? I wish I could read the name of the... the um, Billy Comstock and the Cats, is that it? The band, they play, and there's a guy in a saxophone. It's instrumental stuff, and you know, like I said, they do tequila, and they do The Pretender. And let's see what else. Oh, let's talk Jerry Paris. Let's talk Paris. He handles the the prom scenes nicely, I think. But he's still doing that thing where the the camera is. I mean, I I know what he's doing, but the camera is like way too b- far back, looking at those booths, which we now know are meant to be up against the wall. There's way too much. I mean, there's way too much space there. We shouldn't be. He should get in closer. I mean I know I know they've got the sets but it but it's not here's the thing. If it were a if it were if there were a live audience there, as there will be in a few seasons, I could understand. But the fact that they could put the wall up means put the camera inside and look at them so you can see the wall behind them. You know, wouldn't it be great if, if it had started on the wall and you heard arguing and the camera just tracked back and you suddenly saw these two faces on the side, Arlene and Richie, then it tracked back even further as you heard these other voices and you saw all these people sitting there. Instead the camera just like kind of appears there and you're like are, where, are we? where are we? We're in the parking lot. Are we in the parking lot right here? This is strange. I'm, I think that's part of the disconnect is, like, if the wall is meant to be right there and we're so far away from where the wall is meant to be, we're, like, in the parking lot or something, technically. So that just, it doesn't... Yeah. The, the thing is, at this point, where it's, it's meant to be, the show is meant to be different from all the other sitcoms that are on at this time it's meant to be shot like a like a half hour film with a single camera you know and get the, set aside the laughter like a single camera and and it's not meant to be like vision mixer style editing that you know like in um uh, like like with a multi camera with the live audience so to have those shots that clearly reveal that like this is a set and we're on a so- and you know sound stage and you know is sort of like def- to me defeating the purpose of we're meant to be in a real 50s diner and there's a strange thing too um when we we see Arnold and I guess this is a Jerry Paris thing like no one actually tells him Jerry don't go so far back Jerry don't tilt your camera down that far Jerry don't tilt your camera up that far Jerry don't go so far over on the Arnold exterior Arnold set and they try to cover it up because in the opening moments, de-dup, 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 some sort of hot rod is being backed up. Oh, and I think hot rod, I said they wanted to watch The Ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. Was that 58 or 59? That was 59. No, it was 58. That was 58. <gasps> no, I want to watch The Ghost on Dragstrip Hollow. I wonder if everyone in Milwaukee went to see that when it came out. But the opening shot after the credits is like a hot rod being backed up and then being pushed out. You see that the, the, the building next to Arnold's says all American frozen food. There's a big all American frozen food sign. There's a very incongruous lighting fixture on the wall that looks very mid 70s to me, but it could have been mid to late 50s also. And then when Fonzie is talking to Kincaid, we see that on the other side of Arnold's is the same sort of building. And there's something like Booth is written on a marquee and I can't quite see what it is. And it looks like there are movie posters, but I can't quite make out what they are. So it looks like there's a movie theater on one side and a, and a frozen food warehouse on the other. But the thing is, they're not like buildings sort of like, it's not like Arnold's is there and there's some space around Arnold's for you to drive around and then these two buildings. No, no. These two are two huge warehouse style buildings smashed up against the side of Arnold's. So, the only way you can get in and out of Arnold's is like driving up to the front of Arnold's. And to me, that screams, We're on a set in between two sound stages on the Paramount lot. That does not say we are in Milwaukee at a time. Di- I mean, could you imagine, like, hey, let's go to that cool new hip diner that's in between those two giant gross warehouses? No. No, that's wrong. That's I'm, th- I'm thinking of every sort of diner or restaurant type thing that I've been to when I was a kid. And none of them are like, you drive down an industrial road and you take a left in between two huge buildings and they're deep, deep within. There's this little diner restaurant type thing. no, 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 no. Jerry, stop panning your camera over there. That is completely ruining the illusion. I mean, early on, it was more like, uh, when you saw what was on the side, it was more like bungalows uh, on the studio lot. Now it looks like these huge, you're on the Paramount. I've been on the Paramount lot. It looks like huge, I, now I don't know that those are specifically sound stages, but those, and, and actually they don't look like sound stages, they're, they're sort of like mortar brick and mortar huge walls and they could be sound stages but they look like warehouse type things and it's just, it's so uninviting because when you just look at Arnold straight on and you don't see what's on either side it, it looks like we're, you know, on a nice lot somewhere and there's some space around us and everyone's having fun but then when you see that we're <laughs> crushed in by these two huge buildings, it looks like a lot less fun. So, Jerry, stop it. Knock it off. Don't do that. I feel like as the show goes along and and the show probably becomes more popular and... Well, it does get more popular. As the show goes along and gets more popular, there is... Uh, we, we will be in a better space than this because this space, frankly, stinks. Uh, what else do we got going on in this episode? As, as I've said... I quite like this episode. The joy of it is that there's a there's a little bit to do for sort of everyone. everyone gets their moments it's it's ostensibly about Richie and Arlene but but not really because the second half when Richie's at the prom he barely does anything. It's more about Mr. and Mrs. C with some fond stuff, which I really like And Ralph getting his time. So it's like uh, Richie is kind of like the, the the anchor or the or the kind of in the center and everyone else is doing stuff. And frankly, Mr. and Mrs. C with some Fonz, but basically Mr. and Mrs. C take it. They they steal it. Mr C checking the punch. Mrs. C dancing with Fonzie, the closing Mr and Mrs. C get the get the um pre post wait a minute, get the get the get the tags, get the closing sequence at the end. And it's um it's a joy. It it really, it really is. It really is quite a lovely scene where they dance together and they go to like make out by an oak tree, and it's it's really nice. And you see the janitor. It's fun. You see the janitor sweeping in the back. And there was a point when, well, Arlene, you've danced with everyone but the janitor. Me and the janitor. Well, I'm gonna go. Da- I'm gonna go ask him to dance right now. And then she leaves, and you think, did did the janitor get a dance with Arlene? That's a good time. But it it yeah, it's nice because, like I said, it's. Purports to be about Richie and his problems, but it's really more about everyone enjoying the junior prom. And I like that um, because one, it's well done, it's well written, it's well acted, it's well put together. I am not a huge fan of the beat up, but up, beat up, but up, bah, or the reuse of the same two or three songs over and over again, but I get what they're doing. Early on, you make it, uh, you, you yell at people. This is the 50s, and you have Everything playing that you can. You're doing everything as you can. You're mentioning everything you can. By this point, you've calmed down. And hopefully the folks, people are tuning in for the characters in the 50s rather than I'm tuning in for the 50s. So you hopefully don't have to do as much of the craziness of, of saying exactly when we are. And you can just be what you are. And so I like that. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there comes a time, it's like, I, I won't bother trying to gauge when this is set anymore. I'm, I'm still going to do that for a bit. I might not do that with the next episode, but I will still do that for a bit. So, that is, well, no, mm, am I done? You know, there's, no, you know, I wanted to tell you guys. So, I don't know what you guys got up to with the junior prom or senior ball. Uh, my senior ball, I went, I actually went to with my girlfriend of... Like six or seven months Cheryl She's a doctor now She's a psychiatrist Psychologist Psychiatrist and it's great Because when we were In high school She kept saying That's what I'm going to be That's what I'm going to be And some of her gal friends were like oh, You're never going to be A psychiatrist Or psychologist Or whatever And then she turned out To be one And I was like Yeah she, she probably Is going to do that But we had Yeah the senior ball Was a bit weird Because I, I Yeah actually took a, a girlfriend A proper Like I guess High school sweetheart but my sort of friends at the time, Nick and, and Jason and... and I don't think I went with Eric. Nick, Jason, Matt. We might have gone with another... F- he was not a friend of mine, this guy, Eric, who they became friends with. We went... And it was weird because... They kind of uh, shunned uh, my girlfriend throughout the senior ball, which didn't make her happy and which didn't make me happy. Although I will say, oddly enough, at the end of all of it, for whatever reason, I can't imagine why my parents did this. I can sort of imagine why her parents did. She was an only child. I was the first of four. And we, we were actually told, oh, you know, at the end of the, the senior ball, just go back to Cheryl's house and you can just spend the night there. You know, and her parents were like, yeah, just, you know, we'll be upstairs. You guys will be upstairs and we'll be out. I I think they were upstairs, but they weren't nosy. So they wouldn't have come down until the morning. Uh, And it was just, just you guys hang out in the living room, sleep on the couches. It was like, what? And it was, that was fun. But the junior prom, I couldn't get anyone to go with me for my life. I couldn't get anyone to go with me. And a gal named Emily, who I knew growing up. Uh, agreed to go with me, and it was, it was great because I was like, oh, I'm excited, Emily, I like Emily, oh my gosh, this is great, we're going to have a great time, and it was fun because we kind of talked a bit beforehand, and I was excited, you know, I'd saved up a bunch of money, I was working at a at a supermarket Harima's Bells by Lake Ontario and I was working and, and saving up money, and I'd like I a whole bunch of. I mean, this was, this was, this was 1990. Um, this was, yeah, this was June of 1990. And I had like 70 bucks or something like that, that is a lot for a, for a kid uh, and a dumb kid. And, you um, know, I remember getting to Emily's house and being excited because I was like, all right, I kind of like Emily and this is going to be fun. And like I said, we'd been talking and it was great because I got there. Uh, they were taking photos of us and I looked over at the mantel. And there was a picture of her in like a prom dress with a guy. And I was like, oh, who's that? Oh, that's my boyfriend. That's at his prom. He goes to this school. Oh, when was that? That was two weeks ago. All right. You know, and I didn't say out loud. It was all right. I misunderstood some things that were happening currently here. But that's okay. So we went. We had a fine night. You know, we danced a few times. It was like you know we we chatted a bit and 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 my friends kind of knew her too so it was cuz we could all talk and they could all talk so she didn't have to like we didn't have to spend the whole evening talking together everyone kind of knew one another but the the thing i always do is like i, I remember we went to some swank restaurant and she ordered the veal parmesan which was like 2350 or something which was astounding because you know i spent my last two years of high school, like whenever I would go out to eat, we go to Taco Bell and spend three bucks. So spending twenty three fifty was over a week's worth of Taco Bell. Probably more than that, actually. It could have been thirty two fifty. I'm gonna stick with twenty three fifty. But it was funny because yeah, she's eating she's eating and we're getting near the end. It's like, okay, do you guys wanna go? Yeah, yeah, let's let's go. And I looked over at Emily and said, Oh, how are you doing? You, you 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 gonna finish that up? And she she had this big piece of, of of veal parmesan left. She was like she took a little bite and said, No, I think I'm done. And I said, you know what? That's about eight bucks right there. Do you mind if I dive in? And she was like, uh, sure. And she leaned back, and I finished it off. I don't know, jejune probably. But it was was one of those evenings where I knew, you know, she... I I didn't know at first whether she went out with me out of pity. Because I kind of heard, like... Oh, Emily wants to go with you, and I was like, hmm, "Let me contact her," and I did, and yeah, we were going, and then it suddenly realized, "Oh, you're doing this out of pity." Okay, all right, so let me eat my, let me eat the rest of that, and going, you're not going to finish drinking that. Okay, there you go. So, and the rest of the night was fine. We had a good time, you know. And at the end of the night, I remember we all reconvened at Vicky Gitro's house, I think. I think it was a Saturday night, and I remember we watched some Saturday Night Live or something. I forget. That was like the Dana Carvey, Michael Myers, Nora Dunn, um, Victoria Jackson, Phil Hartmany, everyone, everyone, everyone years, which were pretty funny. I've never been a huge Saturday Night Live fan. Uh, but uh, I remember watching that and just being like, well, let me take you home. And then I took her home, and the evening was done. Uh, it, was, it was a bigger production than in this Happy Days episode, which makes Junior Prom seem like just a random dance. But that's okay. Maybe that's the way it was in the 50s. I don't know. Let's dive into the next episode here. We are hopping. I I, I don't even know where we're hopping to. We're hopping to a week ahead, I believe. March. Twi- Whoa. No. We're hopping two weeks ahead. March 26, 1974. Give the Band a Hand. Directed by Jerry Paris. Written by Dick Bensfeld and Perry Grant, who had written The Lemon earlier on. Listen to this. Splish, splash. I was taking a bath. Long about a Saturday. Tub, I of put my feet on the floor. I wrap the towel around me and I open the door and then a splish splash I jump back in the bath Well, how was out to know there was a party going on a river pitching and a splash reeling with the feeling moving and a do 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 why I'm not a huge fan of these new segues In the things here I, I prefer when they use the songs And I prefer that when there was a variety of songs Rather than the same three to four songs Over and over again But I guess I shouldn't complain I guess I, I, I think I really want to hear that funky segue We heard when the Fonz went back to school Yeah Yeah Oh so what What do we got going on here? Ralph is working at Arnold's apparently. He's a busboy. He looks like he's a busboy. Uh, Richie and Patsy don't have much cash, so they decide to get the combo going again. And they don't have a draw, they don't have a piano player. And what is it? Is it Bag? I forget forget the guy's name. The guy with the Polish name who was in the Devils or the Demons or the or the Ding-Dongs or the the something or others or the It is Bag. I just paused it and looked. Ha ha. The magic of podcasting and I shouldn't even be including this bit here but hey folks come on this diamond. so Bag is on drums and uh, Richie and Potsy are are strumming along and they get Ralph who gets fired from Arnold's because he drops some dishes uh, to join them on piano and they play All Shook Up over and over again look this episode folks I'm not going to do the date debate do you rate a date that's a little Bob and Ray I'm not going to do the date debate because... And those those booths are so torn up at Arnold's. I worry. So in the, in this one, the main sort of songs we hear are All Shook Up and Splish Splash, which we've discussed over and over again, so I'm not even going to say it. Most of this episode takes place at a frat house when things are going full swing. If things are going full swing at a frat house, unless it's like a summer... Now here's the thing. I spent very little time... At frat houses the few times I did I've spent more time at frat houses and slasher movies or TNA films From the late 70s and 80s than I did When I was in college for four years The few times I went I found them crowded And loud and a bit gross And so No, uh, no, not at all but but to me like when you say a frat house you're you're talking like September to like May i mean we were always i was always back home by mid May when i was in college so this is to me before the previous episode the prom episode so so like i said it's a fantasia we're jumping all around we're here we're there we're everywhere we're we're whichever episode they decide to put wherever and it all works and it all rocks so yeah cuz i mean yeah, and, and the thing about the frat houses there's no talk of, like, hazing or anything like that. So it's not, like, early in 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 the autumn, a uh, uh, fall semester. So, I mean, I'm, this is probably, it, it looks like a bunch of frat guys just sitting around. They have a party, then they play cards all night. So it's probably deep into the semester. And, again, everyone's dressed as they've always been dressed. Now, I will say one thing. Potsy does show up with a werewolf mask on. I don't know if that's meant to imply that we're in the vicinity of October. If so, I would imagine we're in the vicinity of October, the year before. Let's say it's fifty-seven. If we're calling it now, the prom episode being in fifty-eight. Yeah, I think I think I think to go down this road any further, farther, any f- anything further, farther, anything farther, further, farther, further is uh, to um, just uh, go nuts. But I'm still going to do it. I'm just gonna, not going to do it anymore here. So, yeah, so they get they get a gig at a fraternity. They're going to get paid 11.25 each. The four of them go. They play All Shook Up over and over again. Eventually, Patsy takes a lead vocal on one of them. It's the first time we hear Patsy sing, which we will hear a lot more of. And uh, no one dances. No one moves until someone puts a record of Splish Splash on. Everyone dances to that. And then everyone, uh, Bag and Ralph leave. Richie and Patsy learn that they have to sweep up afterwards, so they sweep and clean up. And then, as they're getting their money, which is like forty-five bucks, um, the the head frat guy says, "Oh, let's play some cards, and maybe you can win some more money." And in the end, Richie ends up winning fifty, and then losing fifty, and then losing the forty-five. He heads back home, tells his dad this. Turns out his dad is uh, his dad is like, "You got you got caught by the Hoboken Hustle." I'm Chips Cunningham. It's great because well, they used to call me Chips Cunningham, and Mrs. C says, "Dear, no one used to call you Chips Cunningham." But Mr. C goes back, and he's going to play these frat boys now and try to win Richie's money back. The great thing about this episode is. Well, we've got a combo. The combo, their combo stinks to high heaven. When they play, you can hear bad notes, and you can hear like they always sound like they're gonna fall apart. And Potsy's on uh, uh, bass, I believe, and, and Richie's on guitar. Like I said, um, uh, Ralph's on piano. Uh, Bag is on drums, uh, except when Potsy sings. And I will say the sequence. were let's let me go in order here. So we never knew they had a band or a combo, but I would think that's a thing that a lot of kids did at that time, but they still do. They still do. You know, if I I could play some drums and I could play a bit of keyboard, if you heard my eventually Super Train episode, like 63 or 64, where I start playing piano, you know that I'm not so great. But apparently they didn't have a combo and they must have had some aptitude. Uh, They don't have much aptitude because they could only play one song and they don't play it well, which makes me think that they were a bad combo. However, the best thing about this episode is... The foreshadowing of what would become a major part of the show, which is their band, Potsy singing, eventually segueing into Joni and Chachi singing, going on to Joni loves Chachi, which is based around Joni and Chachi's band, with I don't even remember what Mario and um, the surfer guy and Annette. Was it? I forget what the. Uh, I could be getting the names wrong there. Over. For, so this is where it begins. I don't know where the next point is when we take up the band portion of this. But yeah, it would become big, and we'd have things like a uh, leather tuscadero would show up, and they'd play for her. You know, Susie Quattro, and mean This is a big element of the show, and will be a big element of the show until, uh, you know, when Richie and Ralph leave. And it segues to Joni and Chachi. But then, even in season ten, when um, Casey, what's her freaking name, the woman from Wings, who I'm forgetting the name of, from Slumber Party Massacre two, uh, when she, they, they even have a band in season ten. So as season ten is going, there's there's a band with the remaining characters in at, at Arnold's. Plus Joni and Chachi, and Joni loves Chachi, have a band too. Now the band that Casey is in vanishes. When Joni and Chachi return, Joni and Chachi's band get a definite ending, and so it's interesting. This is going to be a long time from now, and we discussed this on Eventually Super Train when Amanda and I talked. Joni loves Chachi, but yeah, we talked in depth. We talked in depth the end of this band, although we didn't talk about KC's portion in it. Uh, but she, she's not in there. But yeah, you know, uh, we we talked the end of the band. But this is ostensibly, which is my favorite word in this podcast. It should be penultimate, but we're, we're at the penultimate of nothing. Actually, we were at penultimate of something a few episodes ago, and I missed it. This, to me, is wonderful because this is the start of the band thing, which is a running thing. I mean, it will run until, like I said, season, the end of season 10. So, 1983. What, what like, uh, April, May of 1983. I mean, we are in March of 1974, T- 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 nine years ten years ten years ten, t- t- seven, five, six and seven, seven eight to eight, 83, eight, eight two eighty three nine years okay I figured it was nine years I just wanted to I didn't want to be a jerk so eighty three nine years from now the band thing would resolve itself and you know what and I mean that's the thing that's the thing with the, the band thing is like potsy Anson Williams had a single out from this Joni was going to tour with leather. You know, Joni and Chachi were actually touring with that band from Joni Loves Chachi at the end of the show, and when they return to Happy Days. So this band, with its with its beginnings here, actually goes places and does some stuff. And I love the fact that they're so awful here, so awful that when the frat guy says, "Let's bring in the Mark Deck and win our money back," and the another frat guy says, "Well, that's cheating," and he says, "Well." You you heard how they played. And it's like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, it's like, you don't want to see Richie and Patsy and them cheated, but they were terrible and they they were awful and no one liked them. So it kind of evens out. So yeah, the best thing about this episode is the band, the initial thing of the band. And as we go along, the band would play better and better and Patsy would take the lead role. We get that great episode where Joni falls in love with Patsy as he sings to her. And yeah, we get all these other awesome episodes in the show and and so but this is the start this is the gestation of this and it's great to see the fans listening to them and saying like if I was Dick Clark I'd give you an 83 but I give you a 43 there's no energy you're not rocking it's not working right and you're like ketchup in a banana split separately they're great together this is not an episode that I love and I think this, this this happened with the last few episodes, I think, is that there's one that I adore and one that's just okay. This one starts off fun with the band, but then the moment it becomes like the we're getting ripped off by the frat guys thing, I don't care how much, you know, the Jerry Pierce keeps the camera moving around the table. I don't care how much Mr. C is, is being a card shark or things like that. To me it just not it doesn't go dull, but it's um I, I think is this the first time? maybe this is this is this is kind of the first the moment they sit down with the frat guys, there's nothing more or less from here to the end ish, yeah. Here to more or less the end when Joni starts talking about the Junior Chipmunks and things like that, which isn't specifically 50s, but when Joni talks to the Junior Chipmunks, she brings me back to this this time period, because it's a very Mickey Mouse Club. The moment the concert ends, and they're like, oh, we gotta clean up, to the moment when it's dawn, Mrs. C and Joni are in the kitchen, and Mr. C and Richie co- come home from having spent all night with uh, gambling. Pretty much, I mean, apart from a few moments, pretty much that could have been any sitcom. It it there's there's nothing that distinguishes it for me from any other. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of fun. I mean, you want that on occasion, you know. You know the fact that. You know, I mean, you're not going to see All in the Family do this or Sanford and Son. Well, no, you'll have episodes maybe where, you know, Lamont gets ripped off by someone and they send Grady to get the money back or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, there, there's nothing specifically Happy Days-like about the second half. And, like, even Mr. C with his Chips Cunningham, I don't think that ever comes up again. So that's not like that's something where we're going, hmm, yes, this character development is astounding. Hmm, um, yes, uh, written by um, Dick Berensfield and Perry Grant... Ooh, story by uh, Leo Tolstoy. No, it's not, that's not happening here. It's it's very much, well, I mean, I guess part of it too is that at the moment when it becomes they're getting ripped off by the frat boys, it could have been something that happened, you know, to to the Nelson boys. It could have happened to Donna Reed's kids. It could have happened to, um, not Little Ricky, but it could have happened to Wally. I don't know that would have happened to the beef. You know, I guess it could have happened to any of the, the, the 50s or 60s, you know, families and things like that. So I, I guess that's that's part of the thing is, is I, as we settle into the show, they don't have to yell at us, this is the 50s, we're doing the 50s, teen angels and 50s burlesque and drag races. You know, this is just, this is the kind of crap that teens get up to or people have happened to them eternally, universally. So it is the people we recognize as being in, say, 1958, getting in sort of more universal things, you know, getting ripped off, um, card sharks, ripping them off. So so the more I talk to myself about this, the more I'm convinced of the episode. I, I don't really like the episode that much. I mean, it's okay. Like I said the first act is fun and then as it goes along it just kind of i mean like i said mr c doing the chips cunningham is fun but the the problem is i guess part of the problem is too that when mr c actually sits down to play with the frat boys pretty much all the playing is off camera so it's let's start and then it cuts to dad you're losing yeah i know how about we play with my deck we're going to play this oh what are we doing let's play Where's dad and Richie? We won. Hooray. You know, and it's kind of like, I was going to say it's like, it's, it's, it's like Rocky, but it's not like Rocky at all. I was going to say, if you tune into Rocky, the original Rocky to get a Rocky style, big final fight, you don't get that. Cause it's not about the final fight. Rocky two becomes more about the final fight. Rocky three, definitely Rocky four sort of solidifies it. Well, Rocky three and two do also. i be, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I haven't seen the Rocky films in a while. But the thing about Rocky I always remember is that, um, oh, and the, the scene where uh, Mr. is playing cards with Richie and they're using an old made deck is very funny. But but it's like if you tune into Rocky, you know, and you're like, this final fight is going to kick ass. And you realize it's not about the final fight. So suddenly the final fight becomes a montage of round three and round six and round eight. and You know, I forget where they are. But you're like, oh, where's the fight? Aren't we supposed to have a, a build up like a thing? And then so, so we're suddenly at the end and it's exciting. Sure. But it's not like with Rocky two, where they're on the ground and they're both trying to get up. That kind of doesn't really happen in in Rocky. I don't think it does. Uh, And and so, so it's doing something different. This is kind of doing something like that too, in this episode, but incorrectly, it should be making this Rocky four, but instead it's making it Rocky. It's not; it doesn't work in the end. Yeah, it's, it's. Have you seen? Here's a here's a better example. I don't. You know that Rocky example maybe wasn't the best example, but that's that's just what I I thought of because Rocky's a wonderful movie. Boom, and so is Rocky two, and I'm also a big fan of three and four. I haven't seen five in ages, and I haven't seen Rocky Balboa or the Creeds, which I feel terrible about. But I was gonna say even better, Catwoman of the Moon. Ha ha. Catwoman of the moon. Um, final fight scenes. Da 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 da. And something's going on. And they're all fighting the cat women and the men, and they're trying to get the one cat woman free. And then one of the guys is on screen. And from off screen, you hear, "All the cat women are dead. Let's get out of here." And it's like, wait, what happened? What's going on? You know. And so that's kind of what this is like. You want to see Mr. C beat the frat boys, but at the same time, we didn't actually see them beat Richie. That's it's tricky. I don't it's funny cuz it's like an episode where all the stuff you should be seeing in the last, last second and third act, the frat boys beating Richie, ripping off Richie, and then Mr. C ripping off the frat boys. We don't see any of that. It's all this other stuff and yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's I I I've watched this episode twice over the past 2 days and when the concert ends at a, uh, and they're like, they've swept up and they go to get their money and I, I was like, oh yeah, they're going to play cards and I look at the time and I'm like, oh wow, we're not even halfway into the episode. Oh gosh, okay. So yeah, this is, how about we look at it this way? This is a 1974 sitcom set circa 1958 trying to do an exact version of a 1950s, early 1960s sitcom. How about that? Except for maybe the first act. Let's do that. I think that works for me. And so this is not a favorite of mine. Uh, It's one I watch and it's great to see Mr. C having fun but it's kind of Mr. C like, it's Mr. C gambling. I mean, I, I I don't want to be a jerk but just the way he's like you won $50 gambling Richie well done! It's like you know, characters change as they go along in sitcoms, especially sitcoms that run for 11 years. And as we know, Mr. C and Fonzie are the only characters who appear in every single episode. So Mr. C gets... Mr. C and Fonzie. we'll call them along with Joni. they get the most character development, I would say. Although Mr. C is more or less the way he is at the beginning, is uh, at the end, you just learn bits and pieces. But this gambling thing is kind of like... It, it's a dead end, I think, for the character. I could be wrong. But the Chips Cunningham thing seems to be a dead end for the character. But it's fun to watch. And in context of where we are right now, episode 10, it's fun to see that the character was like this. At the end of the day, for this last five or six minutes of me yakking, is me trying to justify why I don't like it. And why, while I have it playing right here, why I should love it. Because I see it to my left. I'm looking right at it. And I should love it, but I don't. This episode is like that. As I have this episode playing to my left, every moment I see, I go, Oh, that moment. Oh, that. Oh, Mr. C being a card shark. Oh, that. Oh, that Weasley frat guy. Oh, I need to watch this again. But I know if I watch it again, I'll get halfway through it and start looking at the time. I'll get halfway through it and start checking Twitter. Yeah, that's that happens sometimes, and it's like it's like an album that you have. You know, we're like, oh, every time I put on this album, I want to love it so much, and I don't. And uh, that's that's kind of how this episode is. And I know it sounds like I'm 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 over justifying talking about this episode, but you know, I'm here to try to be as definitive as I can and to try to love this as much as I can, and I. I like this episode, but I'm not thrilled. So let me, let me, I'm going to scan my notes real quick. You guys sit tight. I'll be right back. Yeah, I wasn't going to leave you hanging long. Yeah, there's, there's, there's one last bit. So the closing bit, um, the the tag at the end uh, scene has Chuck in it. And they are eating some soup that Joni has made. It's a chipmunks, Junior chipmunks thing and it is and I, I like the fact that they talk about Mr. C wants a previous scene Mr. C wants to go to sleep because he's been up all night but it's Junior Chipmunks um, father-daughter day and Richie says he can go but the last time Richie went he just kind of macked on all the older Chipmunks and uh, Mrs. C can go but you know she just ended up winning the prettiest dad prize which is fun but the, the final scene is so they all sit down to eat this this soup and it's bark soup And I forget what sort of bark, it's like birch bark or some sort of bark that she made it out of. Everyone hates the soup, and Mr. C says, let's go get some burgers. The only person who likes the soup is Chuck. And the final scene is a great freeze uh, shot that ends at a freeze frame with, oh, I like this soup, is there any more or something like that? And everyone leans across the table to hand him the soup. It looks very much like the ending of an Eight is Enough episode, but um, the Eight is Enough cast, that's something. Hmm. Uh, but it looks but it's fun ending and I actually want to close off this discussion and the episode I just want to read a bit from my um, my article on my site some Polish American guy reviews things let's talk Chuck the lost Cunningham child what I'd like to do is when we get to the last episode with Chuck in it I might do an addendum or just a mini soul where I read this article in full, but I just wanted to read you the end of this. So we're talking second uh, 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 Chuck, Chuck, Gavin O'Herlihy, and um, I, let me read you this. Going through Chuck Two's appearances, it's surprising how little he does throughout the first season. In the episode all the way, it is established that he goes to college, lives on or near campus. He comes home for free meals and have mom do his laundry. He's great at basketball, but not so good at his other classes. He looks like he could be Richie's older brother. He also has a very jock feel to him. One gets the sense that he beats up nerds and probably beat up Richie a bit during their younger days. His next appearance is in the third episode, Richie's Cup Runneth Over. Chuck is in the house dribbling his basketball, and it's annoying Howard. That's about it. He does seem to communicate through basketball dribbling, which is semi-charming, but not much of an appearance. In the next episode, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, we see the three kids out in the driveway. Joni's twirling her baton. Richie and Chuck are playing basketball. One imagines this is probably what it was like all the time before Chuck went to college, wherever that is. It's a lovely scene. In The Deadly Dares, Chuck eats a big sandwich. He also talks with Richie briefly about hazing, as Richie is about to get inducted into some sort of gang kind of thing. In Skin Game, we learn that Chuck is going to change his free throw from overhand to underhand because it looks better for the fans. And Richie and Chuck have what is the closest thing to a real brother-to-brother chat. Almost. Richie needs to talk to Chuck, and I perked up. The wisdom of Chuck is about to appear, but Richie just wants to borrow Chuck's ID to get in a strip club. For every free throw Chuck makes, the writers miss an opportunity to develop his character. The family eats bark soup and give the band a ham. Joni made it. It's a Junior Chipmunk thing. Everyone dislikes it, but Chuck. So we can add likes bark soup to his character description. And that, as far as I could see, seems to be the final appearance of Chuck 2. And that's right. I mean, that's funny. That's like, he really is only, he's gone already. We're, we're, we're 10 episodes left. We got six episodes left. Chuck isn't going to appear as far. If he does, I will eat my bark. Uh, but I think that's the last appearance of Chuck. That's crazy, huh? Isn't it? Yeah. You know, so, so that yeah, that is give the band a hand. An episode that I tried hard to love, and you heard me try hard to love it. I busted my butt to love that episode, but I kind of don't. It starts off okay, and then kind of peters out. I don't care how great Chips Cunningham is. I do care how great Chips Cunningham is because he makes me smile a lot. But I just didn't really like the episode. So next up in the next episode, and thank you again for listening, everyone. You could write to me at dannyslacks at yahoo.com, or this goes up on eventuallysupertraining.blogspot.com. You can leave a comment if you want, and uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And what is the next episode going to be? It is going to cover uh, April 2nd's episode, Because She's There. And April 9th's episode, In the Name of Love, both written by Jack Winter, and neither of them directed by Jerry Paris. Wow. Huh. There you go. So, uh, that's Rockin' All Week with you. Episode 5, everyone. Thank you for listening. Monday, Monday, happy day. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy day. Sky hello, blue There's nothing can hold me When I hold you So right You can't be wrong Rocking and rolling, All real